Welcome to Season 2, Episode 14 of the Firefish Recruitment Podcast. Want to find out how to maximise fees and avoid bad debt at your agency? Well, our next guest, Barry Cullen, has all the answers. Barry is an ex-recruitment agency owner turned solicitor who now specialises in resolving backdoor hire and fee disputes for recruitment agencies. This podcast was originally filmed on the Crowdcast platform, so you may hear some live questions being answered throughout. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a rating on your podcast platform of choice. Good afternoon, everyone. Gosh, that's the end of the month, end of October. Lovely to see you all back and delighted to join, well, I'm delighted that Barry, the, the man in our industry with the deepest voice is how I I would always, and carrying a <laughs> baseball bat normally, Barry. Um, but we've got Barry on and uh, he is um, actually, yeah, oh gosh, see, there you've got it. Um, now we're going to be tackling the topic this month or this this uh, this session on how we want to maximise your fees and avoid bad, bad debt into your agency. Um, and Barry's really the best person I think in the agency to really help us tackle this subject. So please feel free to to uh, put in any questions or queries, um, and we'll try and and tackle that. And um, Barry is a solicitor um, by qualification, but by trade you've also been a recruiter of at least. Uh, uh, 19, 20 odd years, and and you and I were in the same trade. We were both IT uh, contractors, um, living through uh, the millennium bubble and, and and everything else there. So learning lots lots of rules there. Um, but it's quite unusual, I think, to really have that sort of legal background and then the trade and understanding how a recruitment works, which I think makes you so special with all of your other traits. <laughs> so welcome, Barry, um, and thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Looking forward to it. Yeah, brilliant. Well, let's dive straight in, um, because although you have made a wee bit of a name for yourself um, about, you know, backdoor Barry is how everybody refers to you with your baseball bat. And I think you've done that exceptionally well, you know, in terms of marketing and coming on and, and making a stance. But actually, you know, you, you provide quite a lot of in-depth knowledge in the recruitment sector itself. Mm. And then taking that recruitment knowledge into the sort of solicit uh, the the legal side of it uh, as well. Um, so where I wanted to start because although we're in an industry just now that is getting lots of bumps, okay, and we're up and down, up and down, and oh lockdown and tier one and tier three, and if you're up in Scotland, tier tier five or whatever she's got up and ru- running up here. But you know it does have an impact, but that impact generally makes you very busy, doesn't it? So uh, and the reasons why you're very busy is because a lot of people are trying to get out of paying their fees yeah 100% and I think I said to you you know just before we came on this call you know how are you finding the market is still just as busy and you said <laughs> busier busier yeah. uh, we um, in that first six weeks uh, from when lockdown was first announced in England um, we had an uptick in the one of our one of our main indicators is the total amount of fee revenue that we're chasing at any one time uh, and we, in our six-week period, we had an uptick of 82% uh, wow. of the total revenue we were chasing. Uh, so for us, you know, really good commercial uplift, obviously. But as far as the economy and all my mates in recruitment are concerned, that wasn't a good phase. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of that came down to, um, you know, end clients being on a bit of a cash-saving exercise, so they weren't letting go of money as quickly. But also the recruitment side, they will... You know, normally we'd be saying, oh, 30 days, 60 days late, then we'll start thinking about it. 
Mm-hmm. We were getting phone calls of recruiters saying, look, our, our payment terms are 14 days. We're on day 10. We want to be ready to push the button on day 15 if they haven't paid. So it's, it, clients not trying to save cash and recruiters trying to drive as much cash yeah. in at the same time. So yeah. just, yeah. But it hasn't slowed down since. And it, exactly. And so, and, and it's probably going to, I mean, traditionally, a lot of people use the Christmas holidays coming up as well for potentially delaying on some fees. So what, what mm-hmm. I, before I go there in terms of it becomes a problem, there's a lot of things that recruitment leaders can be doing right now in their business to actually either avoid it or really focus on maximizing the fees that they've got in their data already and avoiding that bad debt. So I'm going to start there, if that's all right. Yeah, of course. Um, and I want to talk about data. I know not an exciting topic for most, but it's a hugely, I mean, recruiters really are in the data game. Um, And effectively, we have these huge databases of golden nuggets. Um, And there's loads of fees to be had from there if you know how to work it. So I want to just talk about, you know, how how do you advise some of your clients in terms of actually looking for those fees and potential hidden fees within your data right now? Well, it's just, it's all good recruitment, right? So if, if your starting point is you are running a, a well-run recruitment business, then you're going to be maximizing these fees already. Yeah? Uh, so you can, like with most things, you can drive behavioral changes based on uh, good commercial outcomes. Those good commercial outcomes then also will habitually ensure your compliance uh, and your data management work well as well at the same time, so sort of alongside each other. Um, so it's things like, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big cyclist. So I'm really into my cycling, really into my running, um, and there's a bit of a cheesy turn of phrase about Strava, which is one of those uh, data management type tools for tracking uh, training. Right? Is that if it did, if it's not on Strava, it didn't happen. You know, and the same mentality in a recruitment business, if it's not on the CRM, it didn't happen, is a massively important thing to do commercially, right? Because it just means you're running your business better. But then, from a legal and, and fee recovery perspective, it's massively important as well. You know, just for a few reasons, right? Number one, um, things like we see so many cases where uh, recruiters have done all the hard work, but they haven't sent their terms over to the end client. Um, And often that's happening because they're working off their desktop or working off their email, and they're not driving behaviors through the CRM. If they're driving it through the CRM, the terms can be set up to be going over automatically with CV sendouts. So you don't have that problem. And it's always the human that messes it up. It's yeah. a human that goes, oh, we'll deal with it later. They never quite get around to it. You know, so that, that's one piece on it. And, and just on that, I mean, it is. It's, um, it's a really valid point because a lot of this, I don't know why, but you know, we should be scared of just sending our terms with any candidates that we present yeah. um, because it just protects our work that we've done as a recruiter. 100%. 100%. But then the, the other side of it as well becomes important. So that's the commercial, you know, that's just good business. But then the other side is um, we had a case can't name the client obviously, for obvious reasons, but we had, we had a case last year um, where about eight weeks before the trial, um, and it was a pretty big fee, eight weeks before the trial, we got the, the call from the director to say, so if that consultant didn't work here anymore, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, here we go. If that consultant didn't work here anymore, would that be a problem for the case? I'm like, well, yeah, mm-hmm. because they, they, are, they are our evidence, right? They are, they're, they're they're giving all the evidence and giving all the information. That's in part because they didn't have a CRM-driven type behavioral culture in their business. Had all of that information simply been time and date stamped on the CRM, the individual consultant became less important at that point. 
because we could then just have had a director giving evidence to say, I've pulled off the CRM notes, this happened on this date, this happened on this date, here's all the documentation to back it up. Yeah? But when you don't have that, it becomes then more difficult evidentially when you're standing yeah. in front of a judge uh, to say this is what happened yeah. if you don't have that individual consultant. And it's a transitory environment and in industry, right? So you, know, you can't guarantee that if you start a big case, that by the end of it, your consultant will still be in the business. Yeah. But getting that data pinned down, as well as being good for business, is good for enforcement as well. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I think you've also mentioned, you know, let's look at trying to avoid doing business with customers that also <laughs> can't actually pay you in the first place. I mean, yeah. you know, we're, we're notoriously bad for just taking on any job. You know, yeah. we're, we're, what's your advice as well then when you're actually analysing the type of business that recruiters should be working on? How, how how can they make sure that this is actually going to be valid business? They're going to get paid for all their hard work and they should prioritise this job over others. Well, this is for me, this is all about uh, the, the sort of industry's addiction to KPIs. Mm -hmm. right? Our industry is addicted to how many jobs you pull today. How many CVs have you sent out today? How many interviews have you arranged? How many phone calls have you made? Yeah. And we're so focused on the next hurdle that we're not taking a step back and looking at more objectively and going, actually, this is good business. This is bad business. Yeah. And we all know the indicators, right? Um, someone that's massively driven on price, right? We want you to work at 8%, <laughs> or I may, uh, or you've got to send all your CVs through the portal, or they've all got to go to HR or TA, uh, or... You know, we've got an RPO involved or an MSP involved. Yeah. We've got 27 different agencies working the job. All those things are massively big red flags in relation to whether you should want to work with a client on a commercial footing or not, often sing true in relation to whether they're ultimately going to pay you or whether you're ultimately going to end up in disputes. Because if you know they're dealing with 20 agencies on a job, there's a very good chance that another agency is going to submit the same CV you're submitting. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you've got a multi-agency dispute already. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, if they're massively price conscious, then there's a good indicator that at some point they're going to try and stiff you for the fee yeah, or they're going to try and find a way out of it. So Barry, let's face it, every customer that's actually going to be approaching a recruiter these days is going to be talking about price. Everyone's on the yeah. market for a deal right now. So we can't you know, all the recruiters can't just not do any business with any of them because they're all going to be asking 100%. the same questions. So how can we make sure that we're still going to, you know, get, do business or do good business with the right people? Yeah, so there's, there's always a tipping point, right? Uh, and we've all seen it. If you're anyone, anyone that's worked in a bigger agency with a compliance team, you know, there was that adage back in the day that compliance are the deal stoppers, right? They're, they're, they're not here uh, to help us do business. They're here to stop us doing business. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a really important balancing act between those two things. You know, the, the compliance, no, we can't do it until everything's perfect. Mm -hmm. And sales, you know, recruiters pipe dream, we're going to do 50 deals with these guys and girls. Let's just make it work and make it happen and worry about compliance later. Right? Neither of those polar extremes work. And there's, there's a comfortable zone between the two where, where, they, where they match and where they marry really well. You know, and I think that's really important, right? getting that balance right. Uh, and that's going to change per agency, per vertical, per, in, per jurisdiction even. Different countries have different approaches. Um, so I think that, that's the trick, right, being able to balance the two, so that you're still commercially driving business, but not doing it in such a way that, you know, you're just going to get caught out all the time. 
Now, one of the crowdcasts that we had was actually with Sid, Sid Barnes as well. And what he was very much in line with is, you know, rating 100 customers to deal with and tiering them. And part of that tiering process could actually be around their credit limits, their ability to yep. pay, et cetera, as well. And I wonder whether or not any of our audiences started to take that into consideration, because there's some great tools out there that you can check for free. Um, you know, the background of these particular customers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you know anyone. I know I know the one like the company check and that's constantly in beta just now. But, you know, it, it gives you instant information as to how much cash they've got in the bank. Yeah. Have they been growing or, you know, are, when was are they keeping up with their actual sort of company legislation of, yeah. of, of, of their accounts every year? And it's a great indication. Loads. Exactly. There's loads. So like you say, uh, beta.companieshouse.gov.uk is a great source of free information which you can use just to do a little bit of due diligence into the background of a potential client. Um, you've got the paid one, so uh, you've got the likes of Experian, the likes of Credit Safe. Um, we use Experian. I just get on with it better. Um, you know, so there's loads of tools out there for credit checking, due diligence, all that sort of side of things. In fact, we did a, we did a little exercise when I was in-house at LHI Group. We did a little exercise um, where we got some of the newer starters uh, and we asked them who they worked for. So, this is a weird segue, right? But we asked them who they worked for mm-hmm. you know, because it was a multi-jurisdictional agency which had loads of different brand identities, uh, you know, with a, a bit of relatively complicated corporate structure. Uh, and I think about three out of five of the relatively new people didn't actually know the legal entity that they were employed by. Wow. Yeah? Now, if you, if you take that and extrapolate that across to who are you doing business, business with, yeah. Yeah, it's so... It's so easy to see why individual recruiters, who, you know, they don't have law degrees, they're not accountants, they've never necessarily run their own business before. How are they meant to identify who the end client actually is? You know, so that sort of thing, Companies House, Experian, Credit Safe, all of those will be able to give you that ability to do that little bit of due diligence. Because again, one of the things we see time and time again is we're, we're sent a case, can you go and get this 50 grand off XYZ Limited? Uh, and then when we're, re- when we're doing our, our review and looking into the strength of the case, we said, XYZ Limited doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So who are you actually doing? And, and then having to reverse engineer who you're doing business with. Whereas at, right at the beginning, a quick check on company's house would have gone, oh, that company doesn't exist. It must be a trading name. Okay, who are we actually dealing with? You know, so little things like that, right, which are so easy. Because fact, your terms uh, will have been with the trading name, not with the actual company that's yeah. working there. Yeah. And, and and another quick, because sometimes you can have to go into lots of different circles to actually find all these different trading names, because I do this quite regularly as well. And, um, you know, I think that's an obvious sort of, why are there so many different trading names of this company? That's a good yeah. question to be asking. And, you know, it, it is meant to be um, a, a legal obligation that you've got your you know, limited company uh, registration on your website. If yep. they don't have that, then it's, a, it's another flag, right? It's another flag. Why not? And, and the other way, if you don't see your, your registration number, always go and look at, you know, the, the, the data, data protection, cookies, any of those, their terms of business or anything that's on the website, yep. you'll be able to get the, the actual name. So if you don't have the actual name of that company and it demonstrates it's a trading name, again, huge red flag, but that will give you the actual core company to go and check out. Because I think that's really important and a lot of people don't know that. That's exactly right. And, and one nice little trick you can do, right? and this doesn't always hold water, right? but if you're concerned about a particular company, you know, get the postcode of their registered address, yeah. chuck it into Google, 
Look at Google Maps. Other search engines are obviously available, but let's just stick with Google, right? Stick into Google Maps uh, and look at what appears on Google Maps. If it's a, if it's a law firm or it's an accountant, then you know the odds are they aren't actually there and that it's just a P.O. box used mm-hmm. at their law firm or their accountant. So the odds are there's no asset base there. So if we, if we get a judgment against them for money later and we turn up, it's like, oh, we're just their accountant. Exactly. They don't have anything here. It's like, uh, okay, so who the hell are we actually dealing with? Are they just this, like, ghost vehicle? Or do they actually have anything behind them? And Barry, I take it you don't take your baseball bat to the, log- the, the lawyers or the accountants? <laughs> Some of them, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Indirect battering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. From, 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 time, from time to time, I feel like doing it. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really frustrating because even recorded delivery or anything like that, it can be completely dingy because it's just going to a post box sort of yeah. folding area and there's nobody yeah. to receive that. But remember as well, recorded delivery, right? The last time an envelope arrived from me at my house in a, in a, in a sign for uh, recorded sense, I happened to know it was dear to tickets so I signed for it, but otherwise I'd be like, well, hang on a second. Why does somebody need my signature for a letter? Like, this is obviously something very serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and often that means people don't sign it. Yeah, so they'll just refuse, say, no, that's not, that's not us, so we won't sign it. Yeah, and that's particularly if they're the type of company that's trying and has a history of avoiding payments. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So it's so easy. All you do is put your letter in a box mm-hmm. yeah? and deliver the box instead, mm-hmm. because then someone thinks it's a parcel being delivered, so of course they sign for it. Yeah. And then when they open it up, oh, well, oh, well it was just a letter. That's a good nice trick. Little trick. Nice little yeah. trick, but it works every time. Yeah, no, that's, that's yeah, it works a every time. good trick. And I think there, very quickly, mm. it's just about getting smarter about who you're doing that business with because, yeah. you know, we recruiters do do so much work up front and they deserve to get paid for it. I mean, you, you're looking at another couple of sort of examples that have been happening that recruiters are getting ripped off right now, and I know you're on a bit of a mission. Yeah, massive, massive, massive uh, be in my bonnet about this one at the moment. They're, I can't name them yet, but it won't take long for people to search them out themselves because uh, there's a lot of posts on LinkedIn and, and other sites about them. But there are a couple of uh, companies out of the Midlands the sort of Coventry area in particular, who are currently going through a bit of a, an effort to do payroll fraud against recruitment companies. Uh, anyone that doesn't know how payroll fraud works, it's pretty straightforward. Um, you get a sales, you get a call on your sales floor. It's a client that you've never dealt with before. Um, whoever, whichever consultant answers the phone, they say, look, we've got a couple of project managers, typically, who we want to payroll. Um, they're, they're on somewhere between 300 and 500 pounds a day. They've already been on site for two weeks, so we're quite keen to, to do that, and we'll pay you, obviously, the margin as well. Uh, so you get them signed up nice and quick because your consultant thinks brilliant, two free deals. Uh, so they get it all signed up. Um, and then you immediately are paying for the last two weeks. You then pay for the next two weeks. Then you raise your first invoice, which is payable in 30 days. At the end of that 30 days, you've then paid out the next four weeks. You've effectively paid out eight weeks at call it 400 pounds a day for two project managers that's before your first invoice falls due then your credit control kicks in and then it's probably another four weeks so you're 12 weeks in to paying out 400 pounds a day to two contractors before anybody even thinks to go mm, pull them don't have it anymore and unfortunately, yeah, and unfortunately, this is happening because you're getting regular calls on this from, yeah. you know, agencies that have, have taken that. And, um, yeah, you know, you can just see how that could close down your business. And it's tough enough easily. as it is. So yeah, you know, doing your upfront research on who you're doing customers. And I think if we go back to your KPIs, because 
this is the danger. We're seeing all the recruiters coming back from the job retention scheme last week here. So, you know, what I'm seeing in a lot of the stats is that vacancies are shooting right up. So we've got lots of jobs on, but the placement numbers aren't as much. Yeah. They're keeping quite steady. Whereas before, I could see less jobs, greater percentage of ratio to conversions. Mm -hmm. So what we've not got to do is start to throw these KPIs of just getting jobs to make us happy and make sure that we're doing the right business with the right customers and, you know, converting them on adult, you know, not watering it down. Yeah, so it's pipeline management, right? Yeah. Pipeline management, you've got, have a, you've got to have enough sausage meat at every phase of the process in order to get the outcome. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're artificially inflating one, you're just going to whack your ratios way out and ultimately not make any more money. Now, you the job... You'll fool yourself for a little bit longer. It, 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 unfortunately. And I think the job retention scheme has also caused up a couple of other sort of um, unique uh, sort of sections or, or, or unique situations that come into the sector because, you know, you've started to get people with more backdoor hires due to mm -hmm. the furloughs. Can you just explain a little bit more about that just to, to help sort of the, the listeners? Yeah, sure. So it, it's, it's working out on both sides. So... Um, recruitment agencies were furloughing a lot of their sales staff. Um, and when they furloughed a lot of their sales staff, it meant that the ongoing processes, whether they were recent introductions or interview processes, there were less humans in the agency available to oversee and manage those processes. And as a result, things were slipping, you know, out of the edges and out the back without anybody noticing. Uh, but that then was also causing a ripple effect because candidates might've been getting frustrated that they weren't getting the sort of engagement and feedback that they were expecting. So when they're spoken to by another agency about the same job, they're like, yeah, sure, put me forward. Uh, so then you've got a multi-agency scenario. Or they might be applying directly because, you know, you, you've told them who the client is. They're not getting feedback from you. So they're going direct, yeah, which then means you've got a, a potential dispute scenario with clients. But then at the other side of that, you know, client side, they were furloughing and making redundant their TAs and, and all their acquisition people, which meant all their structure and approach was falling apart at that side. Uh, which again was causing the same problems, right? So we're seeing this starting to trickle through to us now uh, because with recruiters coming back, they're starting to realize, oh, actually, look, my candidate's now working there. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or recruiters that work with us on the, on the detect side of things where we're auditing their data, you know, that likewise is coming through and we're starting to see those. There's obviously a lag, right? Because it takes a bit of time for that to come through. That's what we're seeing. And how, if I was sitting there as a recruiter coming back and thinking, oh my goodness, you know, I could have a huge amount of fees sitting there that I haven't claimed that could be yeah. really helpful in the next three months. Where would I start looking at my database? What are the key points that you, you, you have, um, or the key triggers that, you know, you know that backdoor hires happen? Yeah, well, I mean, like, start, start with your contract finishes. Mm -hmm. you know, so if you're putting temps interims contractors out uh, and their assignments finished, uh, that's where you look first. Because right, that's the biggest risk of them either overstaying yeah, or taking a perm job, going temp to perm. Yeah, so that, that's always the starting point. And, and that could very much be happening right now because the contract 100%. business could go switch straight into perm. So, yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. You know, we're going into perm, going direct to client after, after agency periods, going to another supplier. We see, we see that a lot as well, you know, because they might have preferential rates or, or for whatever reason. So that's a really, the ratio there of you know, back, backdoor hires or contractor over-engagement um, is much higher than you know, the cold ones where you were working a job. But then when you were working a job, it, it's relatively straightforward as well, right? You, you work your way back from the most advanced in the process. So you know, candidates that you had out at interview, 
uh, or, or are off a stage, they're the ones to look at first. Then the ones that you're at earlier in the process, so interview processes, or the ones, if you're going back further than that, where you've, you've had CVs sent. And I would say CVs sent to jobs that you're working is a priority over, say, spec, spec candidates. Because spec candidates, the ratio is really low. Mm-hmm. You know, people think all clients are out there trying to rob us. Right? But the reality is they're not. You know, most of the time, particularly on spec, it's a coincidence, it's bad luck. You know, but it still happens. Don't get me wrong. But the ratio of nefarious scumbags going out of their way to try and rob recruiters, it's not as prevalent as you'd think. It normally comes down to a misunderstanding. The end client not maybe not remembering where they met the person originally, you know, or, you know, not understanding that they still have to pay the recruiter a fee if they speak to them about another job three, six, nine months later. Um, you know, so those are the sorts of issues we see more often. Don't get me wrong. There are some nasty, yeah, I won't use that word. There's some nasty people out there that go out of their way to avoid paying recruiters. Yeah. Uh, um, but they are fewer and further between than the ones who make honest mistakes or don't understand why they owe money. And I think because this whole sort of pause and freeze, it's just like extended any rebates or it's extended any sort of, you know, <laughs> you know and it's, it's, it's really weird where they think, oh, well, it's fine. We're out with our sort of claim, that CV that we offered and then we, you know, took the offer away. Now we can just hire them now because yeah. it's six months later. Exactly. And you mentioned rebates, right? So we've got a few cases on now and there will be more of these mm-hmm. uh, where client is saying um, we terminated them within four weeks. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we get a 50% rebate or a 75% rebate or whatever it might be. Uh, um, whereas we then have to educate them. So well, actually, no, you didn't mm-hmm. because they might have been on furlough for six months, but they were still employed by you. Yes. And they've actually been with you for seven months. So you're actually massively outside rebate. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the other one where they say, oh, well, our accounts department were on, re- were on furlough. So, of course, we couldn't pay you on time. These are things which go in a little box in the corner with all the other stuff that's not my problem. You know, yeah, you've, you've taken the benefit of the service, you've got to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're seeing those sorts of rebate disputes coming up quite a lot at the moment as well. Yeah. And we're seeing um, B-level disputes more. But normally, you know, you're either due the money or you're not due the money. Yeah. Yeah, so let's say it's a 10 grand fee. Uh, you're either owed the 10 grand or you're not owed the 10 grand. And that's pretty much how it works. But with furlough, this is really interesting. And you never want a lawyer to say interesting. Because uh, if a lawyer says interesting, it means uncertain and really potentially expensive litigation. Right? But it's really interesting because if you place someone on a 50 grand job and then they get furloughed for six months and oh. they're potentially being paid 75%, what does gosh. that do to the fee? Oh, gosh. Yeah. And that's case by case. Right? It's massively case by case because it depends how good your terms are. Uh, your terms should deal with it in such a way that your fee is that maximum figure. And has there been a precedent set on actually sort of deciding how to, to, to deal with that? Because I can see that happening, you know, or I can see some customers saying, well, they, they, we weren't getting 100% work from them because they were sitting at home. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, you know, for you to get precedent in the legal sense, you know, you're talking 18 months, two right. years away. Because okay. to get to precedent, you've got to have the dispute, go to court, get the judgment, and get, get an appeal... Get, yeah, and then have it appealed to a high enough court uh, to actually set precedent. You know, so, that, so that's relatively mm-hmm. far, further down the line. And I, it doesn't, unless, God forbid, pandemic and, and fellowing continues for a few years, mm-hmm. I can't see it being significant enough mm-hmm. that anybody's going to be motivated enough to spend the amount of money you would spend to get an appeal decision on a case like this. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I suspect we won't get Preston in that sense. Okay. But it, but it's, it, it all comes down to the individual contracts for individual recruiters. If, you're, if your terms have been written well enough, and John's just asked an important question, yes, John, we will review your terms for you. Um, yeah, so if, if your terms are drafted well enough, then you'll be covered. Yeah. But if your terms are drafted on the back of a fag packet or an envelope, yeah. uh, then you're probably not going to get covered. And I do think that everybody should be looking at their terms right now. I mean, even I've just had to, you know, renew my property for the next five years and the lawyer dealing with that, you know, has automatically put in a COVID clause. You know, yeah. if, if we get locked down again, then I've got some protection. So there will be, you know, there is a change that's happened in our market for all of these examples that you've just been sharing barry mm. that we now need to make sure that we're covered by and, and well, our terms do that exactly and the funny thing is about terms right is the lawyers that originally draft the terms they will look forwards to potential issues and they will draft contracts to deal with what they can perceive as potentially being problems right mm -hmm. uh, the problem with that is who the hell could foresee this mm -hmm. so therefore it's not been drafted into many or any contracts Mm -hmm. But now that's being changed. So the other the other thing we see a lot of um, is you often see references to um, you know laws of the European Union, right? Um, and mm -hmm. now you're starting to see contracts and provisions in more complicated contracts where they're where they're talking about you know any change to the law that might come about as a result of the United Kingdom leaving the European Union, mm -hmm. which is something that you know pre 2016 you never saw, whereas mm -hmm. now it's becoming a thing, right? Yeah, definitely. So Barry, we've just got a couple more minutes left and I do want to get the sort of normally how I sum up is I'm going to put you on the spot for three things a recruitment leader can do right now. But just before I do that, Lisa's got a good um, question there in terms of, you know, she's looking for what, what advice could she be writing something into her terms about avoiding bad tem bad debt fees? Well, I, it, that links up really nicely with what I would say is one of the, one of the three anyway, right? Uh, probably arguably two of the three, possibly all three of them, right? And it all comes down to your terms. Right, it all comes down to your terms. Um, first thing, contractual costs indemnities. Right? What, people, what most people won't necessarily appreciate is that if the gross fee that you are chasing through the courts is under 10 grand, then if you go to court, you don't recover your costs. So if you pay your lawyer to go and chase it, you don't recover that money from the other side. Yeah? Unless you have a contractual cost indemnity in your terms. So it gives you a massive bit of leverage, right? Because your client's sitting there thinking, ah, I owe you seven grand. I could drag it out by fighting you. And I know at the end of it, I'll just have to pay you the seven grand. So I might as well drag it out. There's no punishment effectively. Whereas if you have a contractual cost indemnity, then you can add your lawyer's fees onto it. Yeah? And you can turn a seven grand debt into 27 grand. Mm -hmm. And they will realize that and yeah. therefore be more likely to pay. So that's number one. Good. Uh, number two, uh, fee discounts, right? If you're giving fee discounts, Get something back. So your standard terms are 25%. Your standard terms are 30% because it's 1990 again. Um, whatever, whatever your standard terms are, you're then negotiating with your client down from that position to your 22s, your 20s, your 18s, God forbid, lower than 15, right? If you're doing that, make sure those discounts are conditional on the client paying on time. Mm -hmm. yeah? Conditional on them not ripping you off and backdooring you. Conditional on them actually complying with their obligations. Yeah, because then if they don't, you've got a great credit control tool, right? Yeah. So, so what might be a 15 grand fee yeah, on your standard terms you, is coming down to 10 grand on a discount. Yeah, but if your terms say if you're late on payment, you owe me the full amount. Yeah. Then that means you've got that credit control. Look, look. Technically, you owe me the 15 grand now. If you yeah. get me the money today, tomorrow, we'll honour the 10. And so that's, that's great because I think a lot of recruiters will be thinking about split fees. 
and you know yep. covering their 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 um covering the outlet to encourage the business coming up with different creative packages but put that in so that you can actually then arguably get the money up front and also 100%. build for the whole thing so great 100%. advice and, and your third fun- one the final one, I'm going to go with, uh, rather than conditional fee rebates, because we all know about them and we've had them for years, is for your current bad debts, yeah, payment plans, right? Get some cash off them now. If yeah. they're honestly saying, look, we want, we, we want to pay you, but we haven't got the money, they've all got a bit of money, right? They, if they owe you five grand, they can drag 500 quid out somewhere to pay a bit towards it. Yeah? And every one of those payments you get on a weekly, fortnightly basis is reducing the money they owe. Yeah? And you can also shore up a lot of your legal issues because it might be that there's a bit of a wobble about your terms or there's a bit of a wobble about the money that's owed. If you're putting a proper payment plan in place, uh, and I'm going to give you something here. So everyone, I'm going to put this in, my, um, in the chat window so you can get it. We've created a payment plan template. Right? So you agree in principle with client and then just fill in the template and send it to them. It doesn't need to be formal and signed. Just send it on email and then they send it back. There you go. Bam, it's agreed. Uh, and likewise, it gets some of those other bits in, right? So here's a This Is Me link. There you Brilliant. go. On there, on my profile, it's the first document. You know, pay, agreeing, payment, agreeing and structuring payment plan, I think it's called. See, if that, you can't download right. it, then let me know and I'll, I'll email it. See, I think if everybody agrees, this is unlike, Barry is like, unlike any other lawyer you will ever deal with. <laughs> and, you know, he also shows that you're always a recruiter because you've already put in your LinkedIn before I even said, and if you would like to connect with Barry. <laughs> Which, which which is, AB, is fabulous. AB, ABC, Wendy, ABC. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And and I think I'm I, I'm excited to be doing more work with you, Barry, as well, because you actually have got a you, you've got some technology going on behind the scenes where you can take this massive problem in terms of looking at a database. You know the triggers to go and see, so you'll yeah. be able to actually plug in to any of our Farfish customers um, with your service and, and tech, and you will be able to identify any potential backdoor fees on your database, which I'm really yeah. excited for our customers to be working in tandem for those that want to go and see what we can get I yeah knew, see anthony i knew you would love that <laughs> yeah I won't, I won't go i won't go full pitch on it but yes we've mm-hmm. we've effectively created uh, some uh, technology which is backed by human researchers that go and find back doors or find contractors overstaying find lost fees for you uh, and what's really cool is we're working with firefish as you say uh, to api into the crm so that clients that work with firefish and with us We'll be able to do that in a semi-automated fashion, yeah. which is yeah, that, that's massively, Super massively important. Yeah. yeah, think of it like a, a, a police, a poli- your own police officer to go and find these type doors. Yeah, 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 it's it's, yeah. it's a wonderful thing. Which is which is fantastic. Listen, I think by the thank you, John, as well. You know, I think by the audience here, there's been so much value, which is um, you know. We were just saying, I love having a crowdcast. I try to do some generic ones and then try to then do some really um, sort of deep dive area into one particular area. This is so important. You know, we're going into, you know, bumpier time of the year. Um, and and Christmas is always tough, so it's going to be a wee bit tougher as as we stand going forward. Getting this stuff up up front, getting it right, it means that you can just you don't have to worry about it, and you can get doing what you're doing in the recruitment side of it. So please try and take these steps and put into your business um, yeah. business going forward. And you've got already Barry's link, which is brilliant. So thank you. The replay will be with this. Please feel free to share it with all your colleagues when it goes live, and it's all up on our 
uh, recruitment website or our Firefish website as well in terms of uh, Crowdcast Live. So you can look at any of the backdated copies of the, the previous ones. We'll be back in the next couple of weeks um, where we're going to be helping you look at your business plan. I've got uh, Paul Glynn coming on and he is a fantastic guy looking at financial management and planning for your business plan next year. So I think that will be really helpful to the audience as well. Barry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're awesome. Love you. I'm still never going to um, repeat a Space Hopper uh, event with you because you're also a cheat, but that's yeah. fine. Yeah, I'm um, very good at cheating. Though, <laughs> I love people working for the industry and trying to help out with genuine um, authenticity as well. And that's that's definitely you guys and excited where Interprotect are going with all the different sort of tools and services that you're going to be growing. Um, I'm sure you'll be back. Uh, next year we'd love to have you back as a guest but um you know keep going and go and get the bad guys thank you so much for (laughs) excellent thank you so much everyone for tuning in